Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to the Body Protest Podcast, a new intersectional body image podcast that takes a deep dive into our often complicated, occasionally treacherous relationships with our bodies. We want to figure out how we can all feel more at home in our bodies and what it will take to create a world that fosters positive body image. I'm Honey Ross. And I'm Nadia Craddock. In each episode, we'll be combining storytelling with science to discuss body image, so how we feel about how we look in relation to our weight, shape, race, skin colour, physical ability, sexuality, mental health, and whatever else comes up. This podcast is brought to you by The Pink Protest. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with Michelle Elman, who you might know from Instagram at scarednotscared. Michelle is also the magic behind body positive memes, which is one of my favourite accounts on Instagram as well. Yeah, 100%. We, um spoke we spoke about a lot of things we spoke yes. about the health question which is the question that honey and i bonded over yes a very um, special <laughs> close to our heart question uh, basically kind of the insinuation that you can't be healthy um and uh, fat basically yeah. um and kind of how we attribute health to size and we also spoke, spoke about meme culture which is something i've not really thought about before uh casual fat phobia and racism on instagram and then what it's like to be fat in hong kong which well. is very interesting Self-love is true love. Honour the most important relationship in your life, yourself. Our sponsor, Womanizer, believes that every person has the right to pleasure and self-love, regardless of age, sexuality, size and colour. A wonderful way to learn to appreciate your body is through self-pleasure. Masturbation is a truly joyful way to connect with your body and learn to feel comfortable in your skin. Everyone should feel able to feel comfortable in their body and explore their own sexual needs and desires. In this house, we see masturbation as the purest form of self-love. Unlike other vibrators, Womanizer products stimulate with soft pressure waves. It is stimulation without touch, meaning there is no chance of overstimulation or loss of sensitivity. Get yourself your very own Womanizer at womanizer.com UK so you can light a candle, run a bath and have a mind-blowing night of sexy self-care. Michelle, we are so honoured to have you here with us, joining Aww. us today on Body Protest. Um... So what would you say your official job title is? Body confidence, confidence coach. coach. So I'm a life coach that specialises in body confidence. So I just shorten it, body confidence coach. And at the time of using that title, no one knew even what body confidence meant. So everyone thought wow. it was a code for sex therapist. <laughs> no um, way. That it was like body confidence uh-huh. meant sex. Um, but now, like, I went on someone's profile the other day and their first line in their caption is body confidence coach. And I'm like... Life coaching barely existed, but body confidence coaching definitely did not exist. Um, and I also have a bit of an issue with it because most people aren't qualified, whereas I actually am qualified and board accredited, five board accredited. So I have trained to actually be able to coach other people. Um, and I just chose body confidence because it's the thing that interests me. Uh-huh. Where do you think that interest came from? I think it's from my own insecurities um, and growing up being insecure about my scars. So for people who don't know, I've had 15 surgeries. 
from a brain tumour, punctured intestine, obstructed bowel, a cyst in my brain, and a condition called hydrocephalus. And I grew up being really insecure about it and not talking about it. So I feel like as soon as I got confident with it, it's almost like I rebounded the other way and just <laughs> did not want to stop talking about it. And it was particularly in university that that started happening. So my uni friends kind of had to grin and bear this, like <laughs> <laughs> me wanting to like overwhelmingly talk about my surgeries, and my skulls all the time, because I just never felt like I could. Um, and then as soon as I graduated, I kind of wanted to go into psychology of some form because my degree was in psychology. Um, but I found coaching was a better fit for me. Right. And so what does body confidence mean to you? So I kind of, so body confidence is your relationship with your body. It's how you see your body, whether you believe you're confident kind of thing. And I always, whenever I define it, I put it in contrast to body positivity, which I think is a systemic movement, a political movement about the systems we live in and the oppression of marginalised bodies and uplifting um, marginalised voices and um, fighting all that marginalisation and oppression that people face, especially when they live in larger bodies or disabled bodies or trans bodies. Um, and I think that's where we need to be a bit more careful because I think 90% of the world uses body confidence and body positivity interchangeably. And the main thing that you hear is, I can't be body positive because I hate myself. No, you can't be body, like you aren't body confident. Yeah. You can be body positive. If you believe all bodies are deserving of love and respect, that's body positive. Yeah. And you can be body positive no matter whether you are body confident and you can be body confident without being body positive. And we see that with a lot of plus size celebrities, for example, mm. where they're confident in their body, but they they have this mentality of like, my size is fine, but anything bigger is unhealthy. Right. And so that is the main example in our world that um, is body confident without the body positivity because they don't respect all bodies. They just respect all bodies up to their size, which right. tends to be on the small plus size spectrum sure. because then they've experienced the body shaming and the feeling bad in their body because of the society we live in and the beauty ideal that exists but they still believe in diet culture so that's usually it's not necessarily their fault but that's ends up being body confident without body positive mm -hmm. right that's really interesting those two terms especially in the context of the work that i do so i'm a body image researcher and we talk about positive body image a lot and i always am very cautious talking about positive body image because i think then for me, I find people conflate positive body image with the body positivity movement. So yeah. positive body image being the psychological construct on how you feel about the way you look. And then the, exactly as you said, the body positivity movement being a, like a social political movement for marginalised bodies. But positive body image from like how it's defined, it's normally operationalised as body acceptance. So kind of like a like like accepting your body for regardless in terms of how it like meets any kind of like societal ideal but also the like appreciation piece like I appreciate my body for what it can do yeah um and what it gives me for being at home like the kind of the self-love self-care uh, aspect of it and then also like flexibility as well like body image flexibility in terms of like kind of a like oh I'm having a bit of a bad body image day today but maybe that's okay um, and I, I know how to then like move forward. Oh, I know why that's in, why that is. Maybe I've been looking, spending too much time looking at like idolized images and that's why I feel shit. So then kind of moving on from there. And if you look into the definition of body image, it is about thoughts and perceptions. So mm -hmm. it doesn't actually say anything about 
what your body has to be. Mm-hmm. And I think even mm-hmm. with the word body image, there's a correlation between um, like a, a acceptable body means a positive body image when actually it's just about your thoughts and perceptions. Mm-hmm. So how is changing the external going to alter that? Um, and I can't remember the exact definition, but it's something like your thoughts and perceptions around behaviours and around your body. But it starts with thoughts and perceptions. Yeah, completely. And, and there also are many, many different definitions depending on how you know who you're speaking to, but it is a, a self-evaluation piece. Moving on to the next kind of question. I found you for the first time through the Body Positive Meme account, which I am a huge fan of. I think it's incredible. <laughs> I think humour is such a powerful tool to kind of undermine the horrible systems in place um i've got a couple of questions about it but one was do you remember the first meme that you saw that made you go like oh shit i've got to do something yeah so how it all started as a joke at two o'clock in the morning um where i instagram stories had just been invented and i saw i was scrolling my newsfeed and i saw considering i only follow body positive accounts yeah i saw five of the same body shaming meme in one scroll of my newsfeed wow. and this was at the point where you could scroll to the bottom of your newsfeed and right. it was chronological order and I was like what day do you ever scroll and ever see five of the same image number one number two how am I following that many body positive accounts that are still sending this sl- it wasn't overtly body shaming but yeah. it was a um I can't remember exactly what the meme was but it was like a circle and it was like um, go on a diet, quit your diet. Like it was a diet uh, culture right, right. kind of meme, but it it's always done in the guise of like humor. So I guess they were sharing it because they thought it was funny. But I was like, this is actually really harmful because your unconscious mind doesn't know you're joking, um, and it's internalizing that. So I kind of, as a joke, because I couldn't sleep at two o'clock in the morning, took it into my Instagram story, scribbled all over it, yeah. and was like. Yeah, fixed it for you guys. I'm now offering a service as a joke. I completely yeah. I'm offering a service to fix all your shitty memes. So I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Oh no, you yeah. absolutely are. <laughs> um, and I woke up the next morning to a hundred memes, literally in my DMs, wow. and I was really? like, hmm. Well, I'm definitely not going to be posting a meme every day on my page, like considering <laughs> that like I do like my captions and all of that stuff so I was like well why don't I just set, start a separate account and just in terms of personally it was the perfect time because uh, body positivity had got I don't want to say negative but it like there were a lot of people just arguing with each other and um, it had suddenly gone from being like one cohesive group to it growing and growing is a great thing but when something grows it goes through almost like teething changes Mm -hmm. and it was at the point where it was like them versus us and it was like this new crop of influencers who had no clue what they were talking about and then this old crop which I was in being like excuse me why do you educate yourself before you speak because you're like they were going viral overnight and then being praised as the expert and I'm like where's your expertise coming from do you want Mm -hmm. like and things like for example using body confidence and body positivity interchangeably and I do believe that it's had a knock-on effect to the point that nearly everyone does it now um and so that was happening and I was just like you know what this really positive place has got like really full of conflict and I just hate dealing with it and also I got to the point where I was like everything I was saying was being scrutinized so much that I was like it'd be really nice to start from zero okay (laughs) 
I did. And then it kind of backfired because my memes account grew so ridiculously quickly. Um, like it almost has the same amount of followers as my main account now. Um, and I think that's just meme culture and the extreme need there was for people to realize that this meme culture that we're all actually a part of, whether we want to be or not, um, does include a very toxic diet culture heavy message. Um, and that's kind of how it all started. It's, I mean, it's an amazing account. I mean, if you if people <laughs> listening haven't checked it out, you have to look at the Body Positive Means account. But I remember reading that you were having some issues with the account in terms of like negativity in the comments. Like, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I was probably running it for about six months. And then I posted something about race and I can't even remember what race it was or anything but it was something to do with race about how all races are acceptable and blah 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 which obviously they are <laughs> I mean it's <laughs> it goes without saying but yeah. I guess it doesn't yeah. but the thing the massive thing the first thing was why is this on a body positive page this has nothing to do with body positivity at which point I was like well if you're not safe in your body how can you love your body and mm. that's not necessarily you feeling safe that is the world making you feel safe because if you live in a black dark skinned body for example there's probably a lot more times than a white thin body walking down the street where you don't feel safe yeah. um, and that's important and that's just about intersectional body positivity but again there was this new crop coming up which didn't care about the education element and actually was what I would say is this new crop coming up were actually just very focused on body confidence they didn't know how to label it because they mm -hmm. didn't know anything about it but they didn't care about the everyone else part of it they didn't care about yeah. the body positive side of it and so that was like bothering me and then I was and then I did a post about a a ch like Chinese issues or like it was a it was a really racist meme and I scribbled it out and uh, a lot of the comments were, it was just a joke. I don't understand why you're taking things so seriously. Oh. And then I just like got to a point where I was like, I don't think people know that a fat Chinese woman runs this account. Um, and that sounds really strange, but it almost started feeling like I was being used as a utility. Mm. Like you wanted my memes, but you didn't want me. Um, and also that they liked memes that were about diet culture. But if I actually called that fat phobia, they didn't like it. And then it was full of, well, I think there's a line. Well, I think we should be healthy. And it was just getting so tiring where it's like, even on my own page, I'm not being accepted. And I just, to have that and then have Scar Not Scared where it was such a contrasting experience mm -hmm. of running similar size accounts, but just like completely different audiences. And I think what had happened at the very beginning of Body Positive Memes is a ton of fitness influencers share the account right. and because of the diet culture side of it people can get on board with that because people hate diet diets anyway now because they've changed it into wellness or they've changed it into intuitive eating or like any of these <laughs> other things any of these student not intuitive eating but wellness all these pseudonyms which they're like oh it's a lifestyle change now instead of mm -hmm. a diet they can get on board with that you saying every fat woman deserves respect though is suddenly controversial and so it's been back and forth with it. I've There were times when I'm just like, don't read the comments. And that lasted for about six months. And then one day I decided to read the comments and I'm like, it's all over my page. And I'm not sure I mm. want it there. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember the thing that sent me over the edge, but something sent me over the edge about three weeks ago. And I was yeah. like, I can't do this anymore. Um, oh, it was that I critiqued a celebrity and they said that I was tearing down a woman 
and therefore oh. it's not body positive or feminist. And that I oh the other thing is you weren't being body positive because you're being positive. I come for this account. I come to this account for, body, for positivity. Why aren't being positive? I was like body positivity. Oh, no. <laughs> doesn't mean positivity i'm not tearing down a woman i'm tearing down her behavior (laughs) like which is a difference i didn't say basically i said someone's behavior was gross and or what she did was gross and they were like you shouldn't be calling a woman gross that's body shaming and i was like i didn't say her body was gross i didn't say (laughs) she was gross it's like she can change her behavior she can't change herself so it's like like, if that makes sense it's like you weren't being being like you weren't being like she's trash yeah Yeah, it's just like oh my god that was kind of the like thing where i was like it was basically very simply because I have like a very psychology based mindset Mm. I was being massively misunderstood for a really long time and it was just like a build up of three years now of just every time I say anything not like and the the thing is I almost started to feel like these were the exact same people who were body shaming people who looked like me in person but actually wanted half of my account um and that's the struggle and i've what i've done now is i've you're only allowed to comment if you follow me but that's not even the issue because the people who are commenting that stuff do want to follow my account are following my account the people who are commenting that all the stuff are the sector of people who believe in fitness believe in health um but as health being a criteria for whether you respect someone or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like what I call diluted body positivity. And so I've got a very diluted body positivity audience, which means any times I, any time I post about anything to do with fat people or fat phobia, I just I just know not to go into the comments, which is sad because like how how can you run a page and like. Even the idea of, I mean, I guess this is a celebrity, a thing that celebrities do all the time, but to run a page and not even be able to read the comments, like, yeah. Yeah, your, like, like it's page. wild that it's like this is an account that you made, it's a space that you created, yeah. and you can't even enjoy it. Like yeah. it's like okay, right? There's like people ruin everything. Yeah, and don't feel fully accepted in a space that you created as well. But also, also it made saying. me think. What did I, like? What did I do differently? How did mm. I do this so differently that I've not demanded respect in this space, but I get it on the other page? Um, yeah. And I think it's just mean culture. So much of it is right. mean culture. Um, I mean, even when I post pictures of like myself, uh, I put post my book came out, my paperback book came out in on the tenth of January. When I posted a picture of it, I literally had like twenty comments that I deleted, being like, I don't know why this is a picture of you. It's not a meme. Like I'm like, how many times do my book come out? My hardback came out in July. My hardback came out in July. My paperback. It's not as if I'm bombarding with you with photos of myself. I think there's also something weird with body positive memes as the name. Yeah. Um, because it's almost like I'm only allowed to post that. But it's weird because my other account is called Scar Not Scared, and I don't always talk about. Well, actually, majority of posts I'm not talking about my scars Mm. because I don't really want to use my trauma as a selling point or like to profit off that in any way but I never get why aren't you talking about your scars your account's called scar not scared so why aren't you talking about it like it makes no sense it's baffling well I mean maybe it is a level of like you said like they don't know who's running the account there's that level of anonymity well that's the other thing uh and a lot of the comments were like um I don't know who the admin is and like when I get hate comments in my dms it'll be like um I don't know if it's Michelle or one of the admins. 
Who's the admin? I'm not an admin. Like, it's one person, me, running their account, creating the memes by myself. So like, it's like they've assumed it's like a fuck, de- like fuck Jerry type of like, they've got like, fit, you know, like you've got 10 people working in an ad agency operating. It's like, it's a one woman operation. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not, not personal because I think with the Scarred Not Scared account, it is so personal and you really know who you are yeah. and what you're thinking and, and how, what, how all of this kind of is relevant relevant to you yeah and um, so I think then it maybe invites a different type of person yeah to something that's like when it is just a meme it's like it, is, it feels more like a, a free-for-all like oh, you, you know it's so easy to be like oh this, this meme is trash this meme is great like this yeah. is and it's it's a bit more fickle in that way yeah um this is I think we this is something that me and Nadia are actually really bonded over which is we did a panel together and someone put their hand up and went oh you know but what point are we going to stop saying that body positivity is fine and it's promoting obesity we got that age-old question that we all love to hear and we both were like oh oh god um I know that that's something that you care about a lot and also I feel like you have a really interesting perspective on health and you mentioned it earlier saying that like health should not be a criteria for gaining respect yeah Yeah. do you want to talk us through your stance on that because I think it's a really interesting thing well I think it's just it's a little bit frustrating that that's a question I have to be asked at every single speaking event I do Mm -hmm. and it is at every speaking event I do I have to address it even if I've literally not said the word health in my 90 minute talk once Mm -hmm. it's a question of the end Um, and I find it particularly interesting when it's addressed to me because I start usually introducing myself saying I've had 15 surgeries a brain tumor a puncture intestine and then they go well don't you think we should be healthy what part of 15 surgeries do you think is healthy? Like, yeah. and also, it's this automatic assumption when I don't, maybe I don't go into full detail about it and I just say I've had mm. surgeries, especially on my um, Scar Not Scared page, and someone goes, well, maybe if you lost weight, you wouldn't need so many surgeries. No. And I'm like, the automatic assumption that my surgeries are due to my weight and not a single person has actually thought about the fact that my weight could be due to my surgeries and that medicine causes weight gain. And one of the saddest talks I probably did and probably the only talks where I didn't get asked about health was I did a talk at Teenage Cancer Trust. And it's probably one of the most meaningful talks I've ever done in my life because it's why I got into this, being a child in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There were kids not taking, and a lot of these were questions that came after the talk privately, being like, can I talk to you for two minutes? But people not taking their medication because it was making them gain weight. Mm. They're worrying about hair loss. They're going through cancer and they're worrying about their appearance and they're not taking medication and actually not taking care of their health because Mm. of a society, like a societal beauty standard. And I honestly, frankly think health is an excuse because here's the thing, like, I don't believe that all fat people are fat because of overeating and under-exercising. The 80% of our um, body type is actually genetic and it's been shown. That's been proven. Um, But let's say, for example, a person is overeating and under-exercising. If they stopped doing that and didn't actually heal the cause of it, it would migrate to another behavior. So it's almost like when you stop uh, someone smoking, they could easily pick up drugs next. They could easily go to video games and numb themselves that way. It's just another technique that's used. But if a person who uses food as a comfort, which I don't know, again, there's, that's a very complex thing, emotional eating and all of that. But let's say that's true. Let's mm-hmm. say all of these sure. health trolls are true. Um, what they're saying is true. Then 
that person, let's say they give up, they eat less, lose a ton of weight, and then start up co cocaine. They'll societally be accepted as healthy because you would not know and you couldn't tell from their appearance that they have something underlying that they've not addressed. But just because it's food and it has an effect on your appearance, suddenly it's up for grabs for everyone and everyone's allowed a judgment on it and everyone's allowed to tell you when you have to deal with it. There's a reason why you aren't dealing with it because you're not ready to and no matter how much you shame someone you're not going to force someone into dealing with a problem in fact you're just going to embed it and add more to it and i think that's why this is such a backward mentality because at what point did we decide shaming people was the solution to anything yeah. um, and i think a lot of these conversations come up in terms of fashion as well where it's like um nike came out with a plus size brand and all the comments were like, you're promoting obesity. So wait, you want us to move more, but you don't want us to have clothes to do it. Like, would you like to do us? Like, because apparently like, we're not meant to be naked either. Yeah. And like, it makes... like, what, should I wear a sack? Would yeah. that make you happy? A sack over my head? Perfect. But actually, if we made women feel confident in what they wear, you actually will improve your health simply because you actually improve your self-esteem. That people don't um, take into account the impact of hating your body has on your health on a daily mm -hmm. basis. From a stress perspective, from a cortisol perspective, all of that... People aren't taking that into account at all. And it is has already been countlessly shown that emotions have an effect on the body. Mm. So if we made people confident in their body, that would help their health, regardless of whether they lost weight or not. And losing weight is not um, a way of categorizing whether someone has gained health. Because we, there are so many examples in life where weight gain is healthy and there are so many examples where mm -hmm. weight loss is not healthy. And I've just gone through a really tough period and like I've been quite public about it in my uh, in January. Um, and I lost some weight. I did not know myself because I don't step on a scale and haven't in four years. But I did know because I was being informed of it every single day. Oh, um, it was more in person than online um, because I was using a lot of pictures I had taken in Hong Kong, not for any other other reason than I didn't have any time to take new pictures. Um, and so in person, it was like every day telling me I'd lost weight. And I was like, I'm not noticed, but also I really don't care. Like, mm. and it's not necessarily for the best reason. I've completely lost my appetite because I'm going through something right now. And you've just made a natural assumption that I'm in a really good place. And I, I saw a friend who I haven't seen in like three months and I literally opened the door to him and he was like, oh my God, you, do, you, you look amazing. Like, and it was the thing of, oh, your life must be going amazing as well. And it's like, actually my life is shit right now. And... <laughs> you commenting on my weight is just making it worse um and i did like i had a question the other day being like how do you not uh, accept a compliment about your weight loss and i go i literally said to him like can i make you a cup of tea <laughs> like <laughs> i don't always have an eloquent way of doing it but that was i was just like just don't want to talk about this right now like and also i don't care whether my weight goes back up which it did or whether it stays the same it's just not something that interests me so why is it interesting you it's just so telling that we conflate like good mental health with weight loss I mean mm. it's just like my whole life when I was in the worst places of my life and like on horrible diets that made me miserable people would be like parents and stuff would be like oh my god honey you are glowing and I'm like actually I am dead inside so thank you so much Helen like <laughs> a nightmare but people would say that to me while I was like not post-hospital whilst I was lying in a hospital bed people would come into my hospital room and be like well 
one perk of it. And I'm like, I've not eaten in six weeks. Leave me, like, you know this, you know, you can see I'm connected to a drip that's feeding me 500 calories a day, which otherwise not how much you should be eating. And also because I've been eating 500 calories a day via a drip and not having any food in my, like my weight is gonna come back up when I leave hospital as well. So you're making me, like you're almost helping me get attached to something that is not permanent anyway. Um, and that used to drive me crazy. And it's also why I don't believe in that so that any of this is about health, it's about beauty, because you can't say to someone in a hospital bed that they are getting healthier without like genuinely thinking it's about health. I mean, that's why I think your perspective is the most interesting, because it's like you have had that feeling of, yeah. you know, you've been through real, I mean, hardship in, in your health. And it's like, you are just as worthy as respect as the next person. And it's yeah. ridiculous. Like, I remember when we were asked the question when we were on that panel, mm. I remember vividly, like, both of us, like, being like, oh, no. But then <laughs> gasping and saying, like, I didn't gasp. <sighs> but, like, I remember saying to the guy who asked it, just going, you know, at what point are you going to stop pretending that you give a shit about my health and just admit you hate fat women? Like, just be honest. Yeah. That's the truth. Fat people make you uncomfortable, and that's the fact of the matter. You don't care about health. Or the thing I would reply is, like, Oh, okay. So, are you saying a person with cancer doesn't isn't deserving of health? Because yeah. that's actually what unhealthy means, by the yeah. way. Like you looking at someone and deciding their appearance equals unhealthy is not actually how it works. If they have cancer, they categorically are unhealthy. But unhealthy is actually used only in reference to diet, to li- diet lifestyle. and lifestyle, yeah. and that's all it is. And so I'm like, it's a nonsense concept because when you actually talk about unhealthy people and that it's interesting with certain issues, certain health issues I've had, such as like obstructed bowel where you can't eat again. Uh, so I've had it, I've had it like three times. So either for six weeks or whatever, but there have been potential studies around the fact that like, if you don't eat this and you do eat this, it can help. Um, and when you have an obstructed bowel, you can't eat anything with fiber, which means you can't eat any fruit or vegetables, like strict rule <laughs> against fruit and vegetables. Um, and this is a bit graphic, but as long as you're farting, you can leave the hospital <laughs> um, because you're still passing gas. That's a, that's the word. Babe. No, it's, it's not passing obstructed. Gas. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So it's yeah. not obstructed. Yeah. Right. Um, so I went out for lunch and like it does it completely exhaust you. Basically, you should be in a hospital bed, but you can leave if right. um, they don't recommend it. But I do because I hate hospitals. And I went for lunch with my friends. And um, I mean, she's not my friend anymore, but she said to me, uh, I ordered a plate of pasta. It was the only thing on the menu which didn't have a vegetable in it or fruits. Um and I ordered pasta and I was like, can I just have a plain with cheese and olive oil? Because they didn't have anything on the menu that like was completely clear of all fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, and this woman turned to me and went, I mean, Michelle, you were in the hospital yesterday. Don't you think you should start taking care of your health? Oh, my um, God. And I was oh like, I mean, I could be at the hospital today. The only reason I'm not is because I'm like a pain in the ass and I made them like discharge me. But also taking care, of my health taking care of your health was not eating fruit or vegetables. You automatically equating pasta with being unhealthy is a problem. And the fact that you actually have the audacity to tell me to take care of my health when like all I've done my entire life is take care of my health. Like that's been my full-time job because you don't get that option when you literally have so many health conditions. How do you, like, how do you cope? How do you like 
you seem so like you know it's all like water for dark fat but what are the things that you do for yourself to be like to kind of I kind of, I really force myself to remember the fact that they're growing up in a diet culture and that it's ignorance, it's not hateful. Even that woman who used to be my friend, it wasn't a hateful comment, it was one born out of... I I personally would not say it was because she cared about me. That Like, I yeah. just don't buy that argument with anyone, even whether it's friends or family. I think what's hard, though, is that when a friend sees you go into hospital they also have to face their mortality. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the ultimate thing that drives a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a thing I said on my podcast, which was that all of this is driven by fear of death and love of money. Love of money is quite obvious in terms of like industries, beauty industries, mm-hmm. all of that capitalizing and diet industries capitalizing on our insecurities. But the fear of death is, if you think about it, it's this whole notion that we can control whether we live or die mm-hmm. if we eat healthily enough. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you could literally be knocked over by a bus tomorrow. And and then how many green smoothies can you drink to fix that? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. it makes no sense. And it's also really telling, especially when I speak to journalists, because I get questions like, so would you say you're healthy now? Like, and I don't know whether they're asking that in the context of my weight, but they usually ask it tacked on to the end of me having talked about my surgery. So I'm like, but how do you categorize healthy? I'm healthiest I have ever been in terms of the fact that I'm the most able I've ever been. Um, I've been really heavily going to physio for the last two years and I have, I've had such a hard relationship finding the good physio for me. Um, and I am capable of doing things I genuinely thought was off the cards five years ago. That's healthy. But does it look the way that you think health looks? No, because my version of healthy is the fact that I can now lift my arms higher than my shoulders Mm -hmm. for more than two minutes. That's not even something you contemplate if you're Mm -hmm. able-bodied. And that's the kind of questions which I'm just a bit like, I'm not really sure how to answer them and I'm also not really sure what to say to it. But what I've found is getting angry at it doesn't help and it's out of ignorance again and... Um, honestly just believing my opinion is most important which sounds really arrogant but my opinion is most important and yours is in your own life Mm -hmm. Um, but you get very numb to the you're fat I've always been quite numb to the you're fat you're ugly I've been getting it since day one on my social media Um, and I just don't find it insulting at all because I don't care if I'm uh, well I don't I know I'm fat and I don't see it as an insult. I see it as a descriptor. And I don't care whether I'm ugly because I won't, I'm not dating you, so it doesn't mm. affect you. Um, and I'll find someone who doesn't think I'm ugly to date. Thanks. Um, so I just don't like, great, I'm ugly. Cool. What are we going to do next? Like, that has no effect on my yeah. life. Um, even if it was true, even if it was like you declaring me ugly makes me officially ugly, mm. like, so what, like, I can't write my book? Like, I can't go on TV? Like, yeah. how does being ugly actually limit my life? And so those have no impact. The thing I think I struggle with, and I think that's why the body positive memes is always a bit of a struggle, is I find it a lot harder when um, it's a personal attack. Mm-hmm. And I've been getting a lot more in terms of uh, people have more information about me via my book now, my book's memoir. So it mm-hmm. literally is every insecurity I could possibly have. And some haven't healed 100%. For example, um, 
when I was younger, I was really insecure about the fact that I wasn't a good person because I was always told um, everything happens for a reason. So I thought I did something to cause my 15 surgeries. Mm. I feel that maybe like 80%, but it still exists. And so when people want to attack that part of me and are like, mm. you're an awful person, you just want to capitalize off this movement, usually under a sponsored post, <laughs> that's when it's said, mm. that hurts. Because I'm like, I'm only cared about this industry and I do less sponsored posts than most influencers by far yeah. um like probably in the last six months I've done two sponsored posts which is unheard mm-hmm. of um and yet the one time I actually want to support myself financially which actually is needed to do all the work mm-hmm. I'm yeah. doing I have to defend that if I was a man I wouldn't no absolutely um, not. and the fact that like that takes away from how much I care about it or the fact that I create free content all day, every day, yeah. mm-hmm. every other, so yeah. six months, what, 30 times six, every other day, minus two days, all of that's free. And then I make two YouTube videos a week. I've never done a sponsored post on my YouTube videos. And it's like, you get into that trap where you're justifying yeah. it and then you have to pull back and be like, once you start justifying, they've already won. Mm-hmm. So also, not to take away from the fact that all of the content you make is to make other people's lives better. Yeah. Like, it's not like you're making like weird, like, fuck you content like it's not like kardashian oh, content which I, like i'm pimping out with detox teeth yeah <laughs> absolutely it's like all of the content you make is so wholesome and like trying to make other people love themselves and get to a place of body confidence and it's like how can people be angry at you i just don't understand no and exactly and it's not like with the sponsorship that the sponsorship is not aligned and it's not something that you really thought about who is okay like who am i happy to be aligned with in 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 that way as well and i think in terms of like being an influencer it's quite interesting because personally as a job it actually gives me a lot of pride when a brand that i've like used since i was a child Mm. one of the examples is like lush or body shop Mm -hmm. i i remember the first time i went into a body shop because in hong kong we didn't have a lot of western stores it was really exciting it was really special and same with lush like the first time someone gave me a bath bomb it was like this magic toy (laughs) um So when they reach out, it's almost like this personal thing where you're like, a brand I love knows who I am. And, but it's something that like, I think followers don't understand is that how do I match the fact that this is just so cool on a personal note, um, but I get to you, it just looks like money. When it's not, to me, it's like, no, this is a brand that like, they know me. Like, yeah. that's, that's all I'm like. There's emotion tied up in yeah. it. It's not just a clinical, like, ka-ching. It's like, oh, my God, lush, know who I am. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm getting, like, beautiful bath bombs, and I feel so lucky. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. Yeah, it's but not. then also you're deserving of money for the work that yeah, you do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Even if you care about your work, like, doesn't mean that that means that you do all your work for free. Like, yeah. just because you love it and care. And, and yeah. Lush and Body Shop, both those paid collaborations was me doing a talk. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, like so- I'm literally going on a platform to talk. So how is that any different to what I'm doing all day, every day yeah. anyway, other than the fact that I'm being paid, which I should be, and all women should be. And this shaming of women getting paid is what's creating, well, not the only thing, but mm-hmm. a large part of what's creating this gender pay gap is because like people feel bad for earning money, but then women, uh, men are praised as successful, confident, ambitious if they make money and then women are shamed and told that they're a sellout. And the number of times I've had that in my comments and I'm like, you would never say this to a man. Yeah. It's such a double standard. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Did you grow up in Hong Kong? Yeah. Yeah. And when did you move here? Uh, When I was 11, I came here for boarding school. What? Because I read something on your account quite recently and you said something along the lines of it took you a long time 
to unlearn the shame around my race. Yeah, so Hong Kong is a very interesting place in terms of the fact that it's a British colony and um, it got taken over by, well, it went back to the Chinese in 1997 and I was born in 1993. So there's always been this, I don't want to speak for the whole of Hong Kong, Mm. but there is this vibe in Hong Kong that Hong Kong was better under British rule and we wish it could go back to that. And they basically, when they set the law that they would have Hong Kong for 50 years, at that time, they didn't think the world would exist for longer than 50 years. So it was kind of one of those, you know, when you get leases in London for like 99 years or 999 years, that was essentially what it was meant to be. But then the world existed longer than it did. So it was kind of this whole conversation around it. But when it comes to like my race, it's hard because I'm half British, half Chinese, which Mm -hmm. actually is a beauty ideal in Hong Kong. So I also Mm -hmm. went from growing up as the beauty ideal, where everyone was like, you are so lucky, you have the best of both worlds. This is the kind of rhetoric you get in Hong Kong. You have the best of both worlds, like, oh, you're like, both features complement each other Mm -hmm. so much, like, you're so lucky, you're so lucky, that kind of thing. Um, And then going to that, to being literally, like, the outskirts of every beauty ideal over here, also because... Uh, when I was 11 I moved over here but when I was 11 I also went through my most major surgeries and then Mm -hmm. gained a lot of weight so it literally was like overnight going from like the epitome of the beauty ideal to then outside of it but when it came to my race it was like things like messages like uh, being Chinese was uncool so um, when I arrived here it was people saying like oh she's Chinese but she's cool or it was people Uh going like oh she's Chinese but she's normal like, oh because God. all the other Chinese girls in my school just were, like, head in their books studying the whole time. And so I was considered normal. Um, but also then from the other side, it was, like, in Hong Kong. So then I would go back to Hong Kong with mm-hmm. all the Chinese girls at the end of the year or whatever it was. And they would all be speaking in Chinese. I don't know how to speak Chinese. And I'd be sitting there and they'd just be talking about me. And I'd know bits and bobs. So I remember mm-hmm. catching the back end of a conversation where they were bitching about someone and I I understand Chinese, I just can't speak it. Um, And then one of the women in English said, uh, oh, who are you talking about? And it was another woman with the same name and she was like, oh, the person was the same name as you, thinking I couldn't hear any of it. So it's kind of like this weird thing of, great, I don't fit in both worlds. Mm -hmm. And I was actually told that where when I was in England, uh, someone said, oh, you're not British. And I was like, but I am. And they were like, no, you're not British. And I was like, well, then what am I, a Chinese? And they were like, yeah, you're Chinese. And I was like, well, no, I'm half British and I'm half Chinese. Therefore, I can say I am Chinese and I therefore can also say I am British. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like, no, you can't. You can only say you're half Chinese and half... And I was like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's like saying yeah. I'm a woman and I'm tall. I can separate those sentences and go, yeah. I'm a woman and I'm tall. Rather than like, it just made no sense. And then I, I remember I'd get into these conversations and argue it um and I I was also actually had a lot of misunderstanding around my race so for example my birth certificate says I'm Caucasian as my nationality which doesn't make sense um so when I went to university they're talking about being Caucasian for some reason and I went oh I'm Caucasian they were like no you're not and I was like but it says it on my birth certificate and they're like what? It, why would it say Caucasian on your birth certificate? And I was like, I'm a nationality, it says Caucasian. And I was like, I don't know whether it's the, like, the language barrier or something, but that is a fact. It says yeah. Caucasian under nationality. So I've always been like, oh, I'm Caucasian. But, <laughs> um, 
And in my head, I am Caucasian because in Hong Kong, I look like a white person. Right. And so when I came over here, like, to, this was a four-year ongoing joke in my friendship group that Michelle thought she was Caucasian. And I was like, but I am in Hong Kong. So then when I come over here, to, to this day, I mean, I just tend to air away from labels, but to this day, I get so confused around it because I, I mean, I'm seeing my uni friends tonight and they still joke about it. They're like, oh yeah, Michelle thinks she's Caucasian. I'm like, I get it to you, I look very Chinese. But when I go to Hong Kong, I get in a taxi and I, they ask me, where am I from? So, like, where am I from? I don't even know. <laughs> I think so. That's it's just been so interesting for me to hear. So I'm mixed race also, but I'm half Indian oh. Malay and then half okay. I don't understand like, white British. Like, Indian. And I think it's like, such a oh, common experience okay. for all people uh, that mix race. <laughs> fine. Like, thank you for informing me. Like, okay, good. You might not. What I am and who I am. I'm like sure, and I'm like, and that kind of weight, like kind of discount So many things of who I think I am. And then obviously, like now, if I look at people, also the family on my mum's side are from India and then might move to Malaysia but then it's like then how do you define where you're from but again I would say I'm British I would say I'm from London because that's where I was born and that's where I grew up and I don't know any different you know like I don't well what's interesting is that I actually got my ancestry like you know the 20th oh did you do that it was a Christmas present I got it back two days ago and it says I'm 50% Ashkenazi Jewish and 50% basically from all over Asia, just because Chinese people migrated everywhere. Yeah, wait, so, yeah. And my mum is actually Singaporean Chinese. So it's like, uh-huh. so it was like Vietnam and Philippines, literally everywhere. But I already knew that my Chinese side had migrated everywhere. So I was actually not fully Chinese. Um, but when it came to the Ashkenazi Jewish side, everyone was like, why have you never mentioned this? And I was like, because when I say I'm half Jewish, people go, you can't be half Jewish because it's religion and I can't be bothered to fight it because like, I just like, and it's never Jewish people saying it. (laughs) It's always white people saying it. And I'm like, (laughs) I just can't bother to fight it. But like, essentially, like I am British because British can be from anywhere. Like Mm. the same as like American can, like, but the, also because I use the term British because I was born in Hong Kong, which is the term you use out there, right. rather than actually it was, it's English. Um, that's the whole thing where like it's so confusing because the way people describe things in Hong Kong is so different to how it's described over mm. here. And with the Jewish thing, I just couldn't be bothered to keep fighting it. So I was like, because you're right, I'm not Jewish. And also Judaism goes through the mother and my mum is not Jewish. But... My like my whole family is from Israel. My whole like <laughs> I am like yeah. my and I yeah. do say I have Jewish blood. Like, but then when people say that, it's just the whole the Jew. Oh, I don't I, I? I'm Jewish too, and it's a nightmare. Like, and I'm not a practicing Jew, but obviously it's through my mother. It's yeah. in my blood. But it's like it, people just don't understand. And also, people are like gunning for a fight about it. It's yeah. exhausting. There, there's something else I wanted to ask you about this in relation because you did a. Was it a series of Adventures of Fat Michelle in, yeah. in, in Fat Phobic Hong Kong? I wondered yeah. if you could say a little bit about that. So um, I just wanted to talk about the experience of growing up in Hong Kong being plus size. And I think people don't... It's really hard to explain. So one of the main things that people just don't understand and think I'm exaggerating is instead of saying, hi, how are you? People go, you've got fat. Like, And in Cantonese, that's a three three syllable sentence. So it's literally, how are you? Equivalent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's either you've got fat or you need to eat more. Those are the two things. Mm-hmm. That's how people greet you. And it depends on whether you've changed weight or not. And even if you haven't changed weight, they will pick a sign and they will say it. Um, and when I tell people that as 
that's the equivalent of how are you? They're like, you're exaggerating. And I'm like, no, that's actually how it works. Um, and the fact that you can't actually buy above size 12 anywhere. Like, I I really struggle to find clothes out there. I don't know whether it's got better since, but mm-hmm. I know growing up as a child, you literally wouldn't see anything above a size 12. Or even, like, the fact that there's a whole argument about diversity on billboards, and they'll be like, well, so why don't you have a Chinese person in your ads? And they're like, well, go to China and you'll see Chinese people in the ads. Actually, we don't. If you walk in Hong Kong, there are so, like, it's mainly white people on ads mm-hmm. because it's mainly white companies or Western mm-hmm. companies and they use the same ad campaigns. So I'm like, the fact that we aren't even seeing Asian people in Asia mm-hmm. is a problem. And so all of that kind of stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, and like, for example, in Hong Kong, it's very common to go to like, country clubs it's like seen as quite a posh thing here but literally every I think there are maybe 50 country clubs in Hong Kong and Hong Kong is small mm-hmm. and, and everyone's a member of some club and going to those in a bikini is a lot more controversial than going to wearing a bikini here and the number of stairs you have and the number of giggles you have and it wouldn't be unlikely for someone actually to come up to you and be like you should cover up like and that kind of thing is the the conversations which I just want to bring up and talk about mm-hmm. and um, tell people that this is actually like it's so hard to have a conversation in Hong Kong about it because you like there's nowhere to start and I went on the radio talking about it and it was the weirdest experience in Hong Kong and um, because the questions that were being asked were just so inherently fat phobic mm. that it's really hard to start with what like with any of it, um, because they start, like, I remember one of the questions literally start with, we know fat is bad, so, like, wow. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, I actually wanted to address that first part of the question, <laughs> where, like, you laid out a really underlying assumption that is not accurate or, like, based in anything at all, um, and so it's kind of that experience of, like, we are not 10 steps behind, we're like a million steps behind and there's no interest in mental health when it comes to China. Um, and that like, it's weird though, because they have this mentality of like, you're fat or you're thin and that's just a fact. And it's not like anything to do with mental health. But then there's also, you need to change your body going on. Right. So it's extremely hard to describe culturally. Yeah, is it tied up with, like, with health and wellness in the same way? Uh, No, but what's interesting is that Chinese culture is very much like eat, 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 eat as Mm -hmm. a sign of love. But you can have eat, 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 and 10 minutes later, you really need to lose weight. Yeah. Like, and it won't even be connected at all. Um, And I don't know whether it's the Chinese culture, because I hate talking about it, like, on behalf of an entire country. I don't know whether it's the Chinese culture I grew up in, but no one seemed to get the fact that when I say I'm full, which also isn't really accepted, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're like, oh, just have the soup then, or just have the vegetables. When you say you're full, that means you're full. That doesn't mean soup. That doesn't mean vegetables. (laughs) And eating past the point of fullness usually needs to get weight gain (laughs) they're like no no no, eat 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 because it's culturally polite to finish or to serve the guests make sure they're happy and full i mean this is actually one of my favorite questions but what's something that you like to do as your kind of favorite act of self-care to feel good in your body and 
Um, I actually really like moving my body, so going for walks, um, it doesn't have to be anything hard, but like I'm really enjoying squash at the moment. I filmed part of it for my Instagram stories and I literally sit and replay it and replay it because oh. the sound of it is so beautiful. Um, but that's the thing I'm liking at the moment. I'm really enjoying swimming at the moment. Um, dance classes were my love affair last year. I love them. Um, and then painting is another thing I discovered. Mm. I love basically finding activities that I'm actually absolutely crap at um, <laughs> because then there's no desire there's no to get better. Yeah. Um, and I'm bad at swimming. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm decent at squash. Like I can keep a match up, but probably won't win it. Um, <laughs> but painting, I'm rubbish at. I can't dance to save my life. And just having all of that pressure to not be good at it is one of the most therapeutic things for yeah. me. Um, and I think all of those things mean you're off your phone. And that's yeah. just something I need, especially in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and those are my main self-care things. I think also one of the best self-care things for other people is boundaries. And that oh. is actually something that's not spoken about enough. And that that's probably the greatest self-care I've ever done for myself is setting boundaries, um, cutting people out when they don't benefit my life and I don't mean that in a like gain from someone way but mm -hmm. I mean like they don't make me happy yeah. they don't um, add to my life in any way and also not being apologetic about the fact that uh, some people don't have a place in your life anymore mm -hmm. because we all grow and change at different rates and I'm very proud of the fact that I change at a really quick rate but that also means that people might the people in my life might change at a quick rate as yeah, well yeah they don't make the cut always yeah but it also yeah that is a complete act of self-care that is like the ultimate self-preservation is making sure that there are people who kind of keep you safe keep your heart safe and also like yeah i think that's really powerful okay um, michelle where can we find you so i'm scarred scarred not scared body positive memes on instagram i'm michelle elman on most things um and i've got a ted talk out I've got a book out called Am I Ugly? And yeah, that's pretty much it. I have a website, michellealman.com. We need to know where we can find you. <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Thank Not you talking. so much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I genuinely could listen to Michelle talk for the rest of my life and I would not ever get bored. No, and she said so many things like afterwards and before and I'm kind of, I feel a bit shell-shocked because I'm just, I feel like I'm just like, listening and like oh and then also imagine what it must be like to be an influencer yeah I do feel like she says everything that I want to say but eloquently and really puts herself out there in a way that takes so much courage I mean she's such an incredible woman I think she's also very conscientious about what mm. she's putting out and she's very thoughtful about about you know positioning how she wants to like put a message across so I think it's kind of because I think sometimes you can look at like an Instagram account and be like, oh, cool, that's like a fun thing to do. Yeah. But like when you kind of then think about the time and energy that goes in and trying to make sure that you're kind of giving the best possible mm. message that you can, um, I can only imagine how tiring that is, especially when you have like 100 people DM you when they're like not happy with something. That's like... Yeah. And I it does make you think it like that. it's very interesting that when you're a woman or just a person in general who puts their head above the parapet and says mm -hmm. things a bit political and a bit out there and you get so much shit for it. Like, unlike a lot of people who have, like, really wholesome Instagram accounts, not mm -hmm. that hers isn't wholesome, but, like, ones which aren't, don't have, a like, a political stance or anything, you know, they just get no shit at all. And it's just like, yeah, nice like, pick, oh, yeah, man. We love, yeah, we yeah. love it. We love you. We love you. Whereas yeah. it's like, she, I mean, she's taking stances, which obviously we both agree with, but it's like, 
people are so fat phobic and so shitty like oh my god I just the shit she gets I can't begin to imagine I know I, I I think I just hadn't really even thought about it until when she said with the body positive memes about when people were talking about race and mm. suddenly she, like people didn't get it and yeah. then um I thought it was what she was saying about meme culture was interesting and how that actually she does get a different response um on that meme account versus mm. her personal account yeah. yeah that's really disturbing I feel like meme culture as much as I love memes like oh, I, I love a good I meme. love memes do you follow um Aminati so no oh my goodness her instagram stories can lose me days she just like <laughs> posts meme after meme after meme and i don't know where she finds them and she'll say it's like she has like, access to like the same internet so she just takes her time and, like, <laughs> finds them. sometimes comes out with this collection it's like, it's like bam, a beautifully bam, curated bam. Yeah, yeah and you're and like so oh funny. god that's good thank you so much for listening to the body protest podcast brought to you by the pink protest We would love it if you left us a review and some stars, preferably five, on Apple Podcasts. Preferably. (laughs) It will help other people find our podcast and join our body protest family. Honey, where can we find you on social? Well, I'm on Instagram (laughs) at honeykinney. And you should also follow the Pink Protest at Pink Protest. Nadia, where can we find you? I'm at Nadia.Craddock on Instagram. And you can also listen to my little work podcast, Appearance Matters, the podcast, where Jay Pannell and I talk about the body image research with some of the experts in the field. Uh, This podcast was brought to you by The Pink Protest and produced by the wonderful Scarlett Curtis. And thanks to our editor, Shola. Thank you. Bye.